Hey y'all, welcome back to our journey through 2 Kings as we continue on in chapter 6. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan River, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell off into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in the water at the spot, and the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. So here we have um, another water miracle, and their tent is getting too small because the prophets are becoming larger and larger, and they need to build a larger tent for them to gather. And we have an axe head that falls off when they're chopping down those trees, and it's a borrowed axe, which means it's, it's not even his. So Alicia helps him get that axe head back. God cares about even our smallest details through life. In verse 8, When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, Do not go near that place, for the Aramanians are planning to mobilize their troops. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It is not us, my lord, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, Even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Armenian army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. So here he's pretending to be somebody totally different and leading them in a whole other direction. In verse 20, As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, 
my father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Alishri replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and then send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Like, obviously. So here we have a couple things. When God opens our eyes to see, we can actually see what is happening behind the scenes. And we don't always get to see what's happening behind the scenes or what God is doing on our behalf, especially when we're going through struggles or some, sometimes we're going through hard things. We don't always see what's behind the scenes or what, what type of army the Lord has around us to help us get us through this. And it's important to just trust and have faith that, you know what, I'm a child of God and God has got me. So, and then Elisha pretends to be this other person and totally bamboozles, bamboozles them. And he he totally sends them on this wild goose chase. And they end up back in Samaria where the king of Israel is. And he's a good person. And he's like, okay, dude, we don't kill prisoners of war though. So then they give them food and have like this huge feast and then send them on their way. And obviously they're not going to try that again because they just witnessed firsthand that God is on their side and God is taking care of them. In verse 24, it continues. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadon of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called out to him, Please help me, my lord, the king. He answers, If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But the king, then the king asked, What is the matter? She replied, This woman said to me, Come on, let's eat your son today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, Kill your son so we can eat him. But she was, she has hidden her son. So when the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to his skin. May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his sh shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders of Israel with the king when the king sent this message to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, a, mess, a murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following him. When Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived and the king said, All this misery is from the Lord. Why shall I wait for the Lord any longer? I'm going to go ahead and continue in the first verses of chapter 7 because it kind of continues the story. Elisha replied, Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened up the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, 
You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. So here we have God has been merciful and he has mercifully sent a prophet to help the pagan northern kingdom. And they still wanted to kill the prophet and blame God when when the when the things and the circumstances around them were not going exactly their way. God's been merciful and helped them time and time again. But when things get rough, all of a sudden they want to turn on God and kill the prophet, the very prophet that God sent to help them. Um, and God, God gives us gifts and God is merciful, but God is also just. And the best part about God isn't his gifts, but it's himself. Like God himself, the giver, is the most important in all of our situations. Um, so let's continue and see what happens. Now, there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Ramian army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyhow. So these guys are like actually pretty smart. They're like rocket science. They're like, we're just sitting here with leprosy, but starving to death is a lot worse. So let's just go and see what happens. If we die, we die. At least it's a less painful death. In verse 5, So at the twilight they set out for the camp of the Arameans, but when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. So God caused noise. And the noise scared them enough to make them flee. In verse 8, When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. And finally they said to each other, This is not right. This is a day of good news. And we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to an Aramean camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace. So they did the right thing. Again, smart guys. They have this great news, this really good news, and... They want to go share it. And that's exactly the example of what we're supposed to do with the gospel and the salvation of Jesus. This is amazing news and it's life-changing and it's eternal. And we should feel the need to go out and share the gospel with this um, great intensity of this is amazing news. Let's go share it. And um, we're we're basically in life, we're just, we're just like these lepers. We're just one beggar. Showing another beggar where to get the bread, the bread of life. And the only thing we're going to get to take with us into the next life is someone else. So it's important to just be spreading that news for that eternal salvation. In verse 12 of chapter 7, 
The king got out of his bed in the middle of the night and told his officers, I know what has happened. The Armenians know that we are starving, so they have left their camp and have hidden in the fields. They are expecting us to leave the city, and then they will take us alive and capture the city. One of his officers replied, We had better send out the scouts to check into this. So let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to them, uh, it will be no worse than if they stay here and die with the rest of us. So they're like, mm, I don't know, y'all. This is like, this is too good to be true. And God's showing them mercy again, and they just, they don't believe it. <laughs> In verse 14, so two chariots with horses were prepared, and the king sent scouts to see what had happened to the Aramean army. They went all the way to the Jordan River, following a trail of clothing and equipment that the Armenians had thrown away in their mad rush to escape. The scouts returned and told the king about it. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Armenian camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as the Lord had promised. God always comes through on his promises. Verse 17, the king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate, but he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. So everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. The man of God had said to the king, by this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will only cost one piece of silver. And twelve quarts of barley grain will cost one piece of silver. The king's officer replied, That couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. And the man of God had said, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. And so it was for the people who trampled him to death at the gate. So he indeed did not get to eat any of it, just as God had said. So we have a lot of good stuff happening in these chapters. Um, trust God in his mercy and faithfully know that he's going to do everything that he says. So that concludes our journey through chapters six and seven. I hope y'all are having a great day.